Always sad to see them go. You know, there's certain uh, markers of, of manhood when I look through my life. And uh, I remember being 10 years old and getting a wallet and feeling like that. That was like, you know, I'm a man now. I have a wallet. I have nothing to put in it, but I have a wallet. Or, or sleeping outside on my own or getting a, a driver's license. But in the life of a, a pastor, I feel like it's a marker of, a, of, a, of becoming a man to attempt to preach through Ezekiel. Because that book is weird. And uh, we're going to take a, a look at it this morning. We, we kind of introed last week, and now we are going to delve in. But it turns out his message is very uh, timely. It's very practical and very appropriate for us. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, the deacons got together our annual planning and looking toward the future in the next you know, year of where we want to put our focus. After spending a lot of time just praying together, reflecting, and looking at our church, um, the, the topic that rose to the top, saying you know, 2019 needs to emphasize this, and that is outreach. How do we move beyond these walls and make a, an impact in our community? And we'll see how that relates so much to uh, Ezekiel uh, this morning. Uh, we continued as a, as a leadership team just uh, talking and dreaming and praying about reaching out. And one of the things we're going to do is, what we mentioned in announcement time, is the RISE Outreach Conference that's coming up in a few weeks. I really hope you'll be part of that. It'll be a chance to take a, a fresh look at, uh, at the good news in God's Word for us. A fresh look at how to explain it in a way that's, that's relevant to different generations and, and different cultures, the different places people come from. Because inreach is very natural, but outreach is supernatural. It's very uh, comfortable for us to kind of Think about, you know, us kind of inside and what, what uh, you know, we could fine-tune here and, and what programs we might have for ourselves or for our families. But it's always uh, supernatural to go beyond ourselves. By outreach, I mean bringing the news that God is uh, restoring relationships with man. Those who are alienated from God can draw near because of Jesus. This is very, very good news. This, this process of being a reconciler, of going out, out and about wherever we see people and helping make them connect to their creator God, helping restore that relationship to reconcile. That, that's the task we've all been given if we follow Jesus. 2 Corinthians 15, 18 to 20 says this. He says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. You know, he restored that relationship. And he gave us, all those who follow Jesus, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. This is the task he gave us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So all those who follow Jesus have been tasked with the ministry of reconciliation, the, the, the service of going out and, and helping people uh, reestablish their relationship with God through Jesus. But why is it so hard? 
Is it hard for any of you as well? It's hard for me at times to be a reconciler, to be a spokesman for God. We think of things like, uh, well, people, they won't really want to hear. Or, well, people are just kind of set in their ways. They're not going to change. Or, I have no idea what to say. Or, I'm not even sure it's my place to say anything. These kinds of thoughts. Do any of these ever come into your mind? We think about sharing the hope that's in you. All these apprehensions we have are about good news. <laughs> Seems funny. In, in the book of Ezekiel, uh, God tasks Ezekiel with a message of bad news. And he had these same kind of apprehensions. And I think, uh, what enabled Ezekiel to be so passionate and so fearless and so faithful with giving a message of bad news? And can what helped him do that help us share uh, the good news, which is far uh, easier? And what changed everything for Ezekiel is he had an encounter with God a supernatural uh, encounter with the glory of God. If you're following along in, in the notes that are in your bulletin, this is our big idea today, is that to represent God, I need to encounter God. In order to be a spokesman, a spokeswoman for God, I need to first encounter God. Here's the setting for uh, our section. We'll, we'll be in the first uh, few chapters of Ezekiel today. Um, if you are here last week, uh, just a refresher, or this might be new to you, is uh, under David, the kingdom of Israel had this, you know, their heyday, their glory days. Um, but it just kind of unraveled after that. Uh, the kingdom after his son Solomon, it divided, and they just got more and more corrupt, more and more uh, a mess, and further and further uh, from God until uh, the northern kingdom of Israel uh, was completely wiped out by the Assyrians. And then, while we come to uh, the events in our, in our book in Ezekiel, uh, we see the southern kingdom that had kind of lingered on or limped on. They had uh, been attacked and subdued by Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, went and took, uh, took a lot of prisoners of war away, took exiles into the land of Babylon. And that's where we pick up our story. The book starts like this in verse 1 of chapter 1. It says, In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Kibar Canal. So this book takes place uh, while Ezekiel is a, a refugee or an exile in the land of Babylon. He had a ministry among other, other refugees. He probably lived in kind of a refugee camp alongside uh, this canal. If you're, if you're tracking with us uh, and didn't bring a Bible, there's some Bibles in front of you in the pew, and this is on page uh, 692 and, and the following couple pages. So in the first uh, three chapters of Ezekiel, it's kind of before his message actually begins, we see how he was commissioned by God for a special mission. He's given this task of being a representative or a spokesperson or a prophet of God to these refugees. So before we jump in, I just want to kind of overview what is in these chapters because uh, we're not going to read it all this morning, but I hope you can go home and, and read the rest and fill in the gaps. So here's what happens in Ezekiel 1, 2, and 3. 
Ezekiel gets this vision of the glory of the Lord. God appears to him when he's uh, by the Kibar Canal in Babylon and reveals this glorious vision. That's really a crazy vision. Um, but it emphasizes just how amazing God is. And uh, he reveals this to Ezekiel. Uh, and Ezekiel responds by just falling on his face, you know, in holy worship. And I imagine kind of holy freaking out, too, because he just saw this glorious vision of God. Well, then God speaks to him right out of this vision and commissions uh, Ezekiel to be his spokesperson, kind of like he's commissioned all followers of Jesus to be his spokespeople. Well, after that, Ezekiel is just stunned, and he sits for a whole week uh, overwhelmed and dumbfounded by the whole experience. Then God commissions him again to be his watchman, to be the one uh, to have this responsibility to... uh, to guard the hearts of the people and to, to warn them and tell them. And then we go back and see that Ezekiel has the very same vision uh, that the Lord showed him already, but this time out in the plains of Babylon. So you can kind of see how the structure goes here. There's the vision, commissioned, he's overwhelmed, then he's commissioned, and then he sees the vision again, and he falls on his face again. And that's kind of what happens in these three chapters. So this morning, I'd like to just sort of summarize that vision of the glory of the Lord. And then we'll spend most of our time just focusing on his commission that's in chapter 2. We'll see three ways that encountering God really does change everything when it comes to representing God. And then finally, we'll just take a quick look at some really surprising final instructions uh, to Ezekiel at the end of chapter 3. So here is the vision. Let me preface it this way, reading the rest of verse 1. Well, let me just read the verse 1 again. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, fifth day of the month, I was among the exiles by the Kibar Canal, and the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. So what he sees is a vision of God. <laughs> he, is, uh, he beholds the glory of the Lord. Uh, I mentioned last time that parts of Ezekiel feel a little bit to me uh, like MTV. And I'm saying that I have not watched MTV in quite some time, but, uh, but back in uh, the late 80s, early 90s, I watched a lot of MTV one very strange summer. So what, why I tell you that is because in, in a music video, there's often all these bizarre symbols, and you're like, I don't really know what that means, and I don't really know what that means, but taken as a whole, it's like, I know exactly what that video means. Sometimes, you know, you wish you didn't. And, uh, and this is, uh, this vision of, uh, of the glory of the Lord that Ezekiel sees, some things are like, well, I don't really know what that little piece means. This is, this is kind of weird. I don't know what that is. But I know what that vision means. <laughs> and that is, God is overwhelmingly glorious. So here's, just, just briefly, there's this ferocious storm and lightning. It comes out of the north. And then in the middle of the storm, there's this glowing flame. It's like, uh, and there's like molten metal. And then he sees these four very human-like creatures that have, they have wings and they have multiple faces. They have a, an eagle's face and an ox face and a, and a lion and a human face. Their wings are outstretched, so they make a, make a big square. They, they touch each other, the, the wings do. 
And beneath each of these creatures is these enormous wheels of some kind. And there's wheels inside of wheels. You just have to read it all. I'm just, I'm telling you, it's wild. And uh, the wheels are like, are like emerald. And the rims of the wheels are covered with eyeballs. So this is no, you know, ordinary. Any, nothing's ordinary about any of this. And then, and then above these four creatures that are above the wheels, there's this great expanse that's like some kind of a sky or, a, or just this, I don't know, expanse. And it's, it, the surface of it is like a glittering crystal or ice crystals or something. Uh, I just want to pick up in verse 26 when we see what is above this expanse. So big spinning eyeball rims, these four creatures on top, wings all out, holding up this huge expanse. In verse 26, and above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne. Say likeness because there's no throne quite like that. And in the appearance, it was like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw it were like gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire that was enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and there was brightness all around, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Wow. So Ezekiel gets this little peek into heaven. The heavens open up, and he beholds this vision of what, of what God's like. Uh, what is God like? Well, he blows your mind completely. Just glorious in words that uh, he, he can't even you know, describe what he sees there. And again, how did Ezekiel respond when he encountered God? Well, how would you respond if you just saw that? He just fell right on his face. Verse 28, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. And I heard the voice of one speaking. And so we're going to take a look at what the voice said to Ezekiel and consider why he might have written that down for us. And when we do, we'll look at chapter 2 of three ways encountering God prepares us for the task of representing God. First of all, you know, once I encounter God, then I could hear his message with understanding. We're picking this up in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And that voice said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, as hard as that might be, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. The significance of the message uh, was understood <laughs> by Ezekiel. Um, as I was thinking about Ezekiel, he was uh, he was a priest. You know, he had a he had a role as as a priest. He was probably just at the age when he was entering into um, into his his function as a priest. Um, the message God gave to Ezekiel is pretty much a message he would have already known. Largely, um, Ezekiel already knew that he was supposed to, as a priest, represent God to the people. He already knew that. Uh, Ezekiel already knew the scriptures that had been given before. 
Ezekiel already knew that the people were far from God and needed to be warned. So these are things Ezekiel knew. But when he encountered God, the significance of all that uh, was bearing down on him, and he really knew. (laughs) He understood the significance of the message before him. It became crystal clear. It's this change from, well, I have this message that I know I ought to tell, to I have this message that I am overwhelmingly compelled to tell. And I don't know if in your own heart and in your own life and habits, if you need that same transition from, well, I have this message that, you know, I know I'm really supposed to tell people, to I have a message that just uh, I can't keep inside because I have met God. It's one thing to grow up around church and to hear about God, to hear the gospel, to you might listen to countless sermons on how we're supposed to share our faith, etc., and we go on just feeling kind of mildly guilty about that all the time, and, and we still just sort of function. And It's quite another thing to have this sense of uh, God got a hold of me and rescued me and transformed me, and now I have a message that I have got to tell. <laughs> That's something quite different. So I feel before I get any further, I would love to clarify by what I mean uh, by encounter God. Because I'm not wanting you to hold out for an Ezekiel kind of experience. I'm not talking about some type of, of supernatural vision or an ecstatic experience or angelic visitation or anything. But we actually encounter God through his revelation, that's, the Bible, and through His Spirit. These are both things we have total access to if we uh, belong to Christ. God's Word and God's Spirit. You might say, I've never seen anything like what Ezekiel saw. Well, that's why he wrote it down. (laughs) Now you know exactly what Ezekiel saw. You have the same benefit. We can delve into the Scripture and encounter God. We can see what he's like. The scripture is just full of, of, of metaphors, of descriptions, of, of characteristics of what God is like. God is, is a rescuer. God is a daddy. God is a consuming fire. He's a loving spouse. He's a tempestuous storm. He's a faithful friend. God is a mighty warrior. He's the creator of all things. He's the giver of gifts. He's the commander of armies. He's pure radiant light. He's the advocate for the downcast. He's a secure bedrock that cannot be shaken. He's a gentle shepherd. And he's a glowing lava king on a sapphire throne atop a crystal expanse carried by winged cherubim riding at the speed of light on crazy spinning eyeball wheels. So we get this vision like, what is just happening there? It's just... Uh, all that's to say is he is beyond our imagination. The Bible has revealed so much about God, but ultimately our minds can't take it in. He is glorious, glorious. He's unfathomable. So sharing uh, the hope we have in God, sharing the message of peace with God through Jesus, it, it doesn't start with, um, with learning a technique, <laughs> It doesn't start with finding just the right little gospel track that we could share. It doesn't start with any of those things. It starts with encountering God. 
soaking in what he's really, really like and letting that uh, explode out of us, you might say. So when you take time to encounter God, you'll start to understand the significance, the weightiness of the message that he's, he's given us. When we understand the glory of the Lord and the urgency of the message, we don't need to uh, be fearful or ashamed of the message that's life-transforming. And that's the second thing we see in this chapter is, once I encounter God, I can speak his message without uh, fear. Verse 3, <clears throat> chapter 2. Uh, this is still God speaking to Ezekiel. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to the nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. In other words, uh, this is going to be hard. Uh, skip to verse 6. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. The briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions. Don't exactly know what all that part means. He says, be not afraid of their words, nor be even dismayed by their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. So God tells Ezekiel, uh, you're going to have a hard job here because uh, these people are really stubborn, but uh, you don't need to be afraid. And God addresses some of the fears, you know, afraid of what they might do, afraid of what they might say, afraid of the looks. I don't know if uh, you've been in a situation and somebody uh, hears that you are a follower of Jesus and they kind of give you that kind of dismissive look that's um, demeaning. It's like, you don't, you don't need to be afraid about that. You don't need to worry about that. Well, look back at those hesitations we saw earlier. Uh, people don't want to hear. Well, God told him that uh, whether they hear or refuse... That's, that's okay. That's not really your problem. Your problem is, is to tell them. Well, people are set in their ways. He says, yeah, they are a rebellious house. They're set in their ways. That's exactly why I want you to go talk to them. I don't know what to say. Well, verse 4 says, I, uh, says, you shall say to them. So in other words, he's telling you exactly what to say. I'm not even sure it's my place to say anything. Well, verse 4 says, thus says the Lord. In, in other words, uh, does God have a right to say anything to anybody? Well, if he's the creator of the universe, uh, yes, he does. So uh, maybe you don't have a right, but if God tells you you have a message to share, then you have a right to share that message. <laughs> Ezekiel was able to endure these unbearable things for the sake of the message because he first he, he met God. He encountered God. I had this kind of curious job when we were first married, working at Vortex. Anybody ever see a Vortex sticker on a door? Now that I tell you that, you'll see it all the time because um, uh, they're all around the county. Uh, so they, uh, they're a company that works on like uh, industrial doors, rolling steel doors and business doors, etc. And I got this job of being what they called a prospector. So what that meant is I'd drive to a a part of San Diego County, and I go like an industrial park, and I go to door to door, um, like rolling steel door to rolling steel door, and I, I'd give them our card, and I'd say, uh, "Hey, you want our sticker? It has our phone number in case you have problems with your door. Uh, you can just call us." And it's amazing how many doors have that sticker on them. Um, 
And so I do that, and it was kind of an interesting job. And so once I'm just walking through this industrial park, and uh, I have my Vortex shirt on, and this guy sees me from afar, and he says, if you put one of those blankety-blank stickers on my door, I will blankety-blank kill you. <laughs> and I go, oh, my goodness, I've never uh, experienced that much opposition over, over these things. Uh, so what do you think I did next? No, I didn't put a sticker on the door. I just walked away. I, uh, this, I have nothing invested in this. This is not remotely worth it. Like, oh, oh, sorry, no. I'll keep my stickers. And I kept walking. I didn't think of, oh, I wonder if I can you know, try another angle or come back later when he's in a good mood. She's like, I just drop it. So if you have not really encountered God, you don't really know him, you've not, um, you've not meditated on just how amazing he is, then sharing your faith is uh, just being a salesman. It's just you have this pitch, you know, you know you're supposed to do it, so you go, you give this pitch, and, well, there's not really much anything uh, I would risk for uh, a sales pitch. I just walk away. No big deal. Um, those stickers, you know, if I come back with all those stickers, that's fine, you know. If I... If I threw half of them away so it looked like I stuck them on doors, then that's all just fine. I didn't do that. But it's not remotely worth it for a sales pitch. But if you've encountered God and you realize his gloriousness, then it's just going to naturally come out of you. <laughs> the wonderful message about God and how he's, he's rescued us. I can be really passionate about the message and fearless um, but I could still be a disaster in sharing the good news um, if I don't get this third thing right. That is, once I encounter God, I can internalize his message. Now, we can mean internalize, uh, we can mean some different things when we say internalize. For Ezekiel, it was quite literal. Uh, verse 8 says, But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Uh, first he says, don't be rebellious like the rebellious house. In other words, you're going with this message, so you, you can't be like those people. He says, open your mouth and eat what I give you, <laughs> literally. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it, and he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and the back, and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. Uh, to the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find there. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So uh, I opened my mouth. And he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with the scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Well, then I ate it. And it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Uh, okay, I know that's also weird. Um, but before Ezekiel ever goes and brings a message to, uh, to the people, God says, you need to ingest this message first. <laughs> you need to own this message. You need to be this message. Or, or you're just a hypocrite. You're just, you know, you're just making a sales pitch. You're just talking about things you don't even really know. Like you go to a restaurant, you, say, you ask the waitress, oh, tell me, how, how's the pasta? Like, well, I've never really had it, but I hear it's really good. Like, 
well, if you work at this restaurant and it's really good, why have you not eaten it? So I'm going to probably choose something else. So if you talk about, uh, talk about God and talk about your faith, and yet you have a total disconnect in your life, uh, people are going to be like, I, I, I don't want the pasta. I don't want your faith. I'm going to try something else. You don't, you're, not even, you know, you're not even eating it. Or I feel like I'm telling you about all my jobs I've had today, but I worked in a mall for a while too, which was a bad idea. And uh, there's all these you know, fast food restaurants. And inevitably, you'd see someone from one restaurant on their break with a bag from a different restaurant eating that. And I know you don't want to eat the same thing every day, I understand, but it just like communicates, like, is there something wrong with you know, the food at your restaurant? We need to, uh, we need to uh, ingest it, internalize it, the message before we share it. But once you encounter God, uh, then you can internalize his message. So just, again, big picture. He sees this vision of the glory of the Lord that just totally blew his mind. Then God sends him out to be, Ezekiel, you're my spokesman. Go, you commission him to be a spokesman. Right after this part we read, uh, we see Ezekiel's just overwhelmed and silent. He just sits there for seven days. And then... God commissions him again with, in a little bit different description as a watchman. And then he gets this vision of the glory of the Lord again. He goes out into the plains. God tells him to go out there, and he sees the same thing. Again, he falls on his face. It's really incredible. So Ezekiel is all geared up to go be a representative of God, to be a spokesman, to be his, uh, his watchman. Um, he is ready. He has encountered God. He's ready to go. He's ready to speak. And at the end of that chapter, God sends him home and closes his mouth. Really curious. You would think he'd send him out and open his mouth, but he sends him home and closes his mouth. Now, we see different kinds of messengers of God in the Bible. Some are you know, um, roaming out in the wilderness, some are in the city, some are in the palace. Um, He sent Ezekiel home and said, shh, I'll bring people to you. And all you have to do is whenever I tell you to speak, you just tell, you just speak exactly what I've told you. An interesting uh, mystery he had. People did come to him And Ezekiel told them exactly what the Lord had showed him. At every opportunity that God presented, Ezekiel spoke what God wanted. And I think that's what he's asking of us, too. He didn't have Ezekiel stand out on on the street corner with the megaphone, but Ezekiel took every opportunity that God gave him to speak exactly what God had showed him. So to be passionate, to be fearless, to be authentic and always ready, we need this ongoing encounter with God's Word and with God's Spirit. Uh, We started off this year with a reminder of the essentials in those three categories of of thriving, sharing, and restoring. Well, if we're going to restore, if we're going to make a difference in the world, then we need to start by thriving in our relationship with God, by drawing near to Him, by by carving out time to just behold how wonderful God is. I, I just ask you, when are you going to do that? When am I going to do that? Is that going to be on my, on my calendar? Um, 
as a daily reminder? Is it going to be here at church? Where, where am I going to carve out time just to meditate on how glorious God is? So that's just the simple um, challenge is encounter God, how in his word and by his spirit. Right now, I want to invite the, the team to come up as I, as I just pray as we close. Just pray with me. Lord God, we are just blown away by how incredible you are. 